0: with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Tom Fertle with Stewards of Mission of Faith, and today I am joined by the other Toms, Mr. Tom Tarris, Mr. Tom DeAngelis. How are we doing, Toms? Great. Hey, Tom. All Good, right, Tom. so uh, today we're going <clears> to <throat> uh, delve into the Gospel of Luke, uh, but before we do that, uh, Tom, Tommy D., if you would uh, open us up with prayer, please. I would be
2: happy to. Um, this is just a, a little plug for our stewardship prayer book. It's available on our website for free. Just uh, let us know that you're interested in one, and we'll send it out to you. On page 29, there's a beautiful prayer that I know a lot of the teachers that I work with um, like to say this prayer. Uh, being around students all the time, I think it's, it's important for them. It's the serenity prayer on page 29. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he makes all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you if forever in the next. Amen. amen. In the name and of the, the Father Son and the Son of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Tom. And Tom Towers, would you, uh, Tommy T, uh, go ahead and do our reading for us today?
3: <laughs> yes, this is uh, from the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, "'Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing.' And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, Isn't this the son of Joseph? He said to them, Surely you will quote me this proverb, Physician, cure yourself, and say, Do here in your native place the things that we heard were done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years and a severe famine spread over the entire land. And it was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to the widow in Zarephatha, in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Cyrenian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus
1: Christ. It's one of those passages That kind of You know Surprise you Of course we all know Of the crucifixion But you forget that uh, It wasn't always a, uh, a peaceful journey Along the way When I mean, all of Jesus' ministry Of healing And teaching and, and preaching And we You know People reach out to him And lepers And the widows And the paralyzed And everything is uh, Kind of hunky-dory But we forget uh, Not not always the case You know And to say uh, They were looking To throw him down Off of a hill Headlong um, You know Kind of, kind of interesting And, and I, I guess it it's a good reminder. Um, you know I believe uh, I, I believe you know um, our Lord says someplace, you know someplace else, you know if you if you're persecuted because of me. Good, you know, that <laughs> means you're doing it right. You know, if you're uh, if you're gonna if you're getting uh, getting a hard time by others, um, then then uh, that means you're you're following me successfully. And of course, here in his in his in his own, you know, the the passage about you know in, in your own town, a prophet is not welcome. I wonder how many of us face that. You know, in our own little worlds, sometimes it's easier to be about our faith when we're someplace else or to talk to other people about our faith. But how many times? In our own family, our own group of friends, is when we can be challenged the most, because um, you know maybe we're afraid to talk about it, or maybe maybe we've written them off. Well, you know my my brother, he doesn't go to church anymore. I don't, you know, and so we kind of we're we're afraid to take that step because we feel less welcome with the people that are close to us than those that are are are, are far from us and
2: more distant. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that in this in this passage. In less than nine verses, Jesus goes from all spoke highly of him; they were amazed at the gracious words. To they rose up, drove him out of town, and <laughs> ready to throw him headlong off a cliff. One of the things I used to I used to share with the students many years ago when I taught was, um, and I sometimes bring it up in gospel reflections when we talk, is that you know, no matter how bad things are today. At least in our in our the civilized part of the world where you know where we live, so to speak, in the United States, you know, first world countries, you know, most of us live in a in a world where things like this, where somebody's actually you know out doing good preaching, you know uh, and and they get picked on to the point where they're not only driven out of town but ready to be thrown off a cliff. I mean, this is you know, Also, you know, there's oftentimes passages where somebody's caught in adultery, woman mostly, drug drug out in the street, ready to be stoned to death. I mean, those things just don't happen in our culture anymore. So no matter how bad things get, you know, we can still look at each other and say, you know, these kinds of things don't happen in the world and especially, you know, in a world where we're supposed to have religious freedom now, whether or not that is maintained over the next 20, 30, 50 years is another question. But at the same time, you know, Jesus came into a world where these kinds of things were part of the culture that that God chose to have himself put in as he became a human being, born into and raised in a culture where this kind of thing happened. It was part of the culture. It was just part of what they did. If people got caught sinning, they were stoned. You know, if you said, if you spoke too proudly and people accused you of being, you know, putting yourself in God's place or you misspoke on something, you could be stoned to death just because you were making yourself God, you know. And uh, of course Jesus sidestepped a few of those too. So I think it's it's you know, it's good for us to ponder the kind of world that that God chose to be born into to to deliver the good news, you know, because it's not. This is not an easy world here in the Gospels, in the Scriptures. This is not an easy world to be born into. Why then, and not now? Why that place and time? And what are the what are the lessons that we learn for ourselves?
3: And like yeah. uh, how Jesus wasn't afraid to confront them because, like, it would be so easy since they are all speaking so highly of him to take the praise, you know, and say, "Ah, shucks," you know, like you know but instead he you know he knows he's going to uh, deliver some words here that's that's not going to be popular yet uh because he's in the synagogue which i think is interesting you know as it starts this the passage he began speaking in the synagogue so it's his god's house you know he's you know delivering he's going to deliver you know words in that house that are going to upset some people yet he goes through with it
1: it's a good point, Tom. I mean, um, actually, to, to, to both your points, you know, it's. I was speaking um, just recently at a, a family conference that a local parish had uh, had run, and uh, speaking to uh, you know to parents about you know raising children, you know, when it comes to the faith, and um, I said the same kind of thing that you did, Tommy D. I said about how you know our, our kids today, they're not. The world is the, their their life is far easier in many ways they're not you know great depression um era children they're not you know world war ii era children i mean so in terms of you know economics and comfort you know even though we have poor in our you know our country etc overall the standard of living you know and the and the is, is far greater than at any point in history But I said, from a moral standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, you know, my first major argument was that it's actually probably the worst time. Um, So you're right. There's no fear of being stoned in the street in in a physical sense, but what's out there in our modern culture. In terms of you know music and movies and, and videos and, and and just some of the some of the um the way Christians and Catholics are treated, it's probably the most difficult time. Um, in in, in terms of uh, you know what what was once sin is now is now celebrated, and once was you know once was wrong is now right, and th- so so many things are backwards. So, um, and that's not to scare parents, but the, but, that, but it's just to point it out because many times we think oh the young people are they're remember you know, people say they're the worst generation ever. They're more disrespectful. Yeah. You know, and I never believed that and I said I don't believe that for a minute. They're just like we were when we were kids with hopes and dreams and aspirations. But they're living in an upside-down world. They're yeah. living in a world uh, that is that is a society from a from a moral standpoint, which is crazy. We didn't have these dilemmas uh, as as young people. You know, I, I use uh, all kinds of examples. When when we watch TV, our parents could plop us in front of Saturday morning cartoons, or and we didn't hear a disparaging word. We didn't see a disparaging <laughs> image. I mean, well, unless you, you were know, watching
2: the Three Stooges.
1: Well, even that, right? But it was you know you, you didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You didn't no, I, I you didn't have to you didn't, they the didn't have it. to censor or edit. Anything right, you know? Right. When the Sunday night movie came on ABC, you know, if they were going to use you know just a mo- just a very you know almost a, um, you know just a modest language, there'd be a warning to parents, yeah. you know, like the following movie contains you know, and that wasn't for harsh you know swear words. That was just for some mild ones, and now our parents would say to us, "Okay, time for bed." Yeah. <laughs> uh, now compare that. Like we, our kids roll our eyes. You know, thirteen channels on the TV, <laughs> but uh, um, you didn't hear anything. You didn't see anything. Compare that, just TV, to what's available today. I read something where they said the average family, the average who has cable, has 189 channels. And, of course, as you know, nowadays, you know, on, on the cable networks, I mean, nothing is censored. You, there's no language that you could not hear. There are no images that you cannot see except for the most explicit yeah. you know x mm-hmm. videos everything else is available and this is in front of our our children that's a far different world than we had you know um, so our faith reminds us this passage reminds us about being countercultural and i think that's the number one thing as as parents will we be persecuted as parents will will we be the ones to say you know um, no my child is not going to go to that sleepover because i know what movies, you know, they're going to watch. Or we had a case recently where we called the family to talk about what was going to be shown at the sleepover for our 13-year-old because we know that the young man in question had a party um, recently where they were showing a rated R movie, you know, as part of a, a party for, for, you know, for 13-year-old kids. And we didn't condemn you know, as David always say, truth and charity. we didn't condemn, we didn't persecute. We didn't say tisk, tisk, tisk." But we called you know um, uh, the parents to say, "Hey, what's on the docket?" And we expressed, you know a concern we had, and you know what? They made an adjustment to what they were showing. They made some parameters, you know, to what was going to be shown that night. So that was a small way where, again, we weren't judgmental. We weren't holier than thou we asked some questions, we shared our heart, and who knows if that will stick. But you know what, we, th- those parents, you know, younger parents, uh, they, they, they thought about what they were doing. So that's just a small thing that we can do. And yes, you run the risk of people going, oh, well those people are the, but that's okay. And how do we know it's okay? Our Lord did it. <laughs> yeah. our Lord was persecuted for what He said. And so there's times that we need that we need to stand in that gap and and be countercultural and not be afraid to take some of the uh, take some of that uh, take some of that flack. It's what we're called to do if we're going to be true to our faith
3: and why do you why do the parents uh, decide to? You know, take your advice, because the ultimate reason is they don't want their children to be lost eternally, right? Isn't that when you drive down to the core, someone changes because you know, they don't want to, they're seeing the end, that this life is going to end on earth and there's something else. So you're trying to save them for the, the better, which I think, I'm not a theologian obviously, but isn't Jesus saying many leopards in, in Israel during the time of, yet not one of them was cleansed? You know, not one of them is going to be saved because they didn't, I don't know if that's true, because they haven't accepted God or, you know what I mean? So sure, it, sure, sure. That's what we're pointing our children toward is eternal life. And so, in a mirror of a way of what Jesus is saying here, like, I want you to go to heaven but not everyone in Israel was cleansed. Tom, it's it's
1: it's when you said that it's interesting when I when I give that parent talk, the first thing I ask of all parents, I say fill in the blank. I want my child too, and I actually I actually take some time I say think about it, share with people around you, you know, and and of course you get all kinds of answers. Uh, be happy, uh, be holy, be successful, you know, live a long mm-hmm. life, you know, and then someone usually someone will say something like, well, go to heaven. And, of course, I start by saying, isn't that the only answer? Isn't that the only answer? And then, of course, people, well, yeah, but. And I say, what's the but? Yeah. What's the but? <laughs> I have fun with that. What's the but? What possible but could be in the way? And don't get me wrong, all right? Um, I want my children to be happy. I want my children to be successful. Lord knows they have college loans to pay off, right? <laughs> I want all those things to be happy. Uh, but But at the end of the day, you know, my job is to do everything I can to help keep them on that path, following the Lord, you know, so that one day they can return to heaven with their, with their creator. That's it. Now, I can't control that. You know, I, at the end of the day, they'll make their own decisions, but I darn well can make decisions while they're under my roof in what I do. And that really is it, Tom. you nailed it. What What is the but? What do we let get in the way? You know, well, we'd go to Mass, but we have a no, 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 no. What's the message that we send if something goes in between? or, or we know they're going to show a movie that we don't like, but I don't want Johnny to not feel accepted, so I'm going to let him go. and that, and again, those are tough decisions that we make as parents, or not just as parents. if if you're if you're a young person with a friends and they're all going out somewhere on a Friday night, what's the plan? Are you going to see something that maybe you shouldn't see from moral perspective? you know, where where are you going? These are tough decisions, but this is where our faith, gets tested. This is where, you know, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Am I a disciple? Is heaven, right? Is salvation, is faithfully following the Lord the most important thing in my life? Or do I put a butt in front of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think most sin happens, right? Because we put a butt. We let something else get in the way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a uh, speaker uh, that does a little kind of a, I don't want to call it a commercial because it's EWTN. It's a little, one of those fillers in between their identification of the network or whatever. Patrick Coffin, and he says, at the end, he gives a little talk about something that has to do with the faith or one of our saints or something like that. And at the end, he says, you know, this is Patrick Coffin, be a saint. What else is there? And my wife (laughs) and I, whenever we hear that, we look at each other and we go, yeah, really, what else is there? You know, But but think about that from your kid's standpoint too. It's like, what else is there to to your point, tom? if if that's not first on the list, all those other things are you know are are fluff, you know, and i was I was blessed at the birth of our our oldest daughter, our first the first child. and I always tell her at, you know whether she her birthday comes, I'd say you was I still remember the day you were born, that was the day I became a dad, you know, because she was the she was our first one. And I remember holding her. And it it wasn't it wasn't the voice of God per se, but I remember thinking to myself, she's not yours, she's mine. And take good care of her because I want her back. You know? So it was one of those things. So for me, these kids have always been a, a precious gift. They've always been, you know, my family and they're in their thirties now. But the other thing that I've, you know, sometimes I've agonized over is we raised them the best we could. And whenever there was a decision like, should we go to mass or should we do something, it was go to mass. And we always worked everything around our religious life. We prayed the rosary, you know, not every night, but once a week. It was, it was, you know, we did that every Sunday night together as a family. We did a lot of things. We visited shrines that, you know, put the girls through Catholic school. But I remember you know, that the girls, when they, when they went off, they went to college, they all drifted off a little bit, as I'm sure a lot of good kids do, um, and they've kind of come back to their faith. But I remember the important thing of going through that was like, we did the best we could, and we pointed them in the right direction. We pointed them north. Now- can I look at what we did and say, you know what? I could have been a little tighter north. I could have been a little more this, a little bit more that. I should have, maybe we should have done the rosary every day, but the schedules, didn't, you know, the schedules didn't work out and all that stuff. But more importantly is if they end up somewhere in a northward direction, I feel like I've done a good job. If they go south, after they leave the house, that's not my decision. That's their decision. And I can't you – know, all we can do is give them the best shaping that we can early on. So for all those parents who maybe sometimes second-guess yourself on how you raised your kids, sure. I mean, if, if we were pointing them west and they're supposed to be going north, then, yeah, that's a problem. Or if we we pointed north most of the time, but a lot of times we pointed south and west and east. And uh, just one more thing to bring up that, that you mentioned, Ty, I think both of you mentioned it, was that our culture is not – you know, it used to be back in the day. It used to be that our culture was – a reflection of the morality the christian morality sometimes it's a real pale reflection you know mm, sometimes sure, it sure. wasn't very close but it was always there was always something in there there was always a ground zero someplace where you could kind of level set again and you know today we have such a diversity of different uh, perspectives and opinions on things that i would say a good portion of our culture is now inverted christianity it's the inverse of our Christian faith, and so there are things that are diametrically opposed, completely the opposite, completely. There are things that that were mortal sins in our faith and considered to be immoral for 6,000 years that are now considered to be not only allowable but virtues. These are good things. These are assets to our culture. And this, in in that sense, even though we're not pulling people out of the street and stoning them. It is a more dangerous world from a moral standpoint. It definitely is because a lot of times kids are going out into that world and they're thinking, "Oh, uh, you know, same-sex marriage, uh, gay relationships, you know, uh, tr- you know, change, changing your sex. You know, if you're not happy with the sex you were born with, make up a new one. You know, um, and and that is completely. There wasn't anything like that back in the '60s, the '70s, even in the '80s. You know, right. stuff. Some, some of that was just coming out, but there was still a sense that that was wrong. You know, was wrong. Was wrong. You didn't. You, stuff like that just didn't happen. If somebody did it, they did it knowing it was wrong. But anymore, it's people think it's a virtue. I think it's a different world. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I, I just think how Jesus is the shines the light because again, about this passage that they got so upset about when he mentions that not one of them was cleansed and they became filled with fury. You know, and I just imagine Jesus is. Shining a light right into their soul and what they're seeing they don't like and it's impossible for them to convert to, to with humility you know, uh, fall on their knees and say you know yes I'm a sinner you know what I mean that that he Jesus brings this tremendous light that just shines right into the core of who you are you know and and it's at that moment that decision like you were talking before do I choose God or do I you know rise up in fury against him wanting to throw him off a cliff you know and so that and so you know
1: i think tom that's that's good that that's our role then when it comes to being countercultural is to shine light and 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 shine light and and, and sometimes that's done you know, very subtly and with a lot of compassion. And I think there's a time when sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, as as, as we become more countercultural or as the culture becomes more counter to us, I should say, that maybe there are times to fight as well and, and to make that stand and to shine that light. Always, you know, truth and charity. Um, you know, we are in, uh, I think this kind of sums up, you know, Tommy D, what you're saying, we're in a world of relativism. We're in a world of, of, of classic moral relativism. What is right and what is wrong? Well, that depends. Depends on who I am, depends on what I think. You know, the, the, the many ways the moral norms um, have evaporated and right is no longer right. Right is now wrong. And what was wrong is not only right, as you said, right. I, you said it well, but it's celebrated, it's preferred. We prefer, and I think I read that in scripture somewhere, you know, prefer the darkness over the light. Um, you know, to our to our own uh, to our own detriment. Um, what did C.S. Lewis say about moral relativism? Moral relativism will damn our souls, right? It will end our species, um, because if I believe that there's that right or wrong is just up to me, and I determine myself what's right or wrong, well then um, there is no sin, right? And right. if there's no That's sin, right. then there is no repentance. Mm-hmm. There's no need for a savior. If there's no sin, I'm not a fallen person. If there's no sin, I don't need salvation. If there's no sin, I don't need to accept a Savior and put my life in his hands and put my trust and faith in him because I'll determine what's right and wrong for me. Thank you very much. And that I think is one of the most um, insidious dangers of our world. Um, that that we've now bec- we've become in many ways we've become God. Each one of us. Um, what is I I say what's right or wrong, you know? And I don't recognize a moral norm. And and it's so illogical. Well, that might be right for you, but it's not for like that. That's insanity. And yet, that's what the common
2: culture embraces. Common culture that believes that everybody is entitled to their opinion and their beliefs and their values. And at the same time doesn't see anything wrong with imposing theirs on you when they're different. You know? right, right, right. Like if you're not tolerant in my brand of tolerance, right. which, is, which is everything except Christianity and particularly Catholicism, <laughs> right, right. if you're not tolerant of that in that way, then there's something wrong with you. There's definitely something wrong with you. Right. you know? to, 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 to be tolerant means to also be tolerant of those who are also you consider to be intolerant. It doesn't mean you have to embrace them and accept them. It just means you have to be tolerant. You have to listen to what they have to say. You you can't cut them off, at least in our world, in our political environment. But the other thing, too, is to go back to something that that you brought up, Tom Terrace, is, you know, Jesus, you know, they're speaking highly of him. And then they ask, isn't this the son of Joseph? And you can kind of see, like, maybe— well, how, where did this guy get this stuff? You know, they're like all of a sudden, they're starting to scratch your head a little bit. And, what well, this is son of Joseph. This is Mary's kid. This is the carpenter's son, you know? And then it almost like he heads him off at the past. Like he, he kind of sees where it's going and he jumps in there and he says, surely you'll quote me the proverb, physician curious. In other words, he's saying, I know what you're going to say. I already know what you're thinking. You know, you you loved what I said, but now you're starting to question whether or not I'm the guy that sh- should be able to come in here and do this kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you, some, well, then he does, shines a light, and it ends up provoking them. And I think it was, you know, at some point you kind of, you look at that from a worldly perspective and you say, you know, Jesus, what, what are you doing like rocking the boat? Why do you come in here? Why don't you just let sleeping, they were, they were okay with you there, you know? Why don't you just end it and go to the next town? But he goes after them. And says, okay, now you're expecting me to be this, you're expecting me to be this, and I'm not going to be that kind of a messiah. And then so he doesn't, he doesn't actually just wait for it to happen. He provokes it and then he deals with it directly. And I think shining that light is exactly what he was getting at. Like, he knew that they weren't where they needed to be, he knew that their opinion of him was based more on good, you know the way he sounded or the, maybe the way that they initially were impressed with his knowledge or whatever because this is actually the previous last week's um, gospel there's a yeah there's a little bit more about this but he's actually you know in his in a habit he's he's kind of been doing what he always does so they kind of knew what to expect here
1: so well said so be those lights right I think I re- remember that one time this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine <laughs> yeah. it's simple but you know what It's what we're called to do. Be countercultural, stand up for what is right, be that light, shine the light of Jesus, the light of truth in your own life, and help others to see the beauty of that light. God bless you. Have a great day.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a gospel reflection group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, May God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.